0: Um, well, before the year started, it was 12 being born, um, but I think that has risen to about 15 or 20, um, so there'll be quite a few along. Um, did anyone see... I want to I want to congratulate Justin. Did anyone see his post on the weekend? Um, Steph put up a post and said, surprise, and a picture of an ultrasound. Congratulations, mate. I had to do a double check, but they were just celebrating their oldest, um, going to year 12, and which are the youngest, yet 10, 10 years of age. Uh, so uh, I was like, wow, good on them. And then I realized, no, it's a 10-year-old they've got, so which is great. So there's some great things happening. Um, so this morning, uh, I want to touch on uh, We the Church, and we're going through our theme, We the Church. And uh, I was talking about the attitudes that we have as a church. We have uh, around 10 attitudes as a church, and you find them on our Heartbeat document. Um, as you walk... Uh, through the hallway into the cafe, you will see them on the wall, and you'll start to see them come up around the place of, of values of who we are, or, or, or just attitudes that we have as a church. And uh, we've just spoken briefly about togetherness. We've spoken briefly about faith. Um, we always, you know, we've got generosity as one of our ones. Um, honor was a big one, uh, but today I want to touch on compassion. And some people know me; they're like, "Sam, you haven't got a compassionate bone in your body." Just because I laugh at people getting hurt, <laughs> like honestly, I am the most compassionate person you could ever come across. <laughs> uh, we have this argument all the time. Yeah, before I actually became a pastor, I was actually working in family services and Anglicare with young ones on the street and things like that. In and I used to take them, and and for some of them, I would work with um, juvenile justice and. And some would, you know, they'd go to court and then they'd be waiting for their court sentence. And, you know, until they're waiting for their actual sentence date, they'd end up with me. And so I don't know what was worse, going to prison or ending up with me for 12 months. Like, I think the court thought, well, we'll give him to him. But anyway, so so this was my, my thing, is that I really have a compassion for the underdog. I really have a compassion for those that are actually in need. Uh, for some of you, are like, well, he doesn't smile, he doesn't look that compassionate, he doesn't like love, like he doesn't hug people. No, I don't hug people. I hug my wife. Guys, that's all, who, you should just hug your wives, it's safer. You know, it would solve a lot of the world problems. And so, so this is it. It's a lot of people think, well, you know, he's harsh, he's, he's very harsh. I have a big heart. That's a lot of blank faces. Okay. But, but I remember one day is that I would take these kids and I'd have five kids at a time and they'd be ones that would live on the street anywhere from uh, 13 years of age right through to 17 years of age. And I remember because I would love getting these kids because I'd be like, okay, what do you want to do? You know, school's out. They've got, you know, all these hours to do with me. I'd be like, what do you want to do? And they're like, oh, I don't know. You know what a teenager's like? I'm bored. I've nothing to do. Anyone got one of those at home? And it's like they can't make up their mind. I'm like, well, what do you want to do? And they're like, we don't know. What do you want to do? Well, you know what? How about we go to church? And they'd be like, okay. Because they're bored. They don't know anything else. And so, you know, sometimes they would end up with me, they'd end up with church and all these things, and and they'd come connect and they'd started to, you know, some of them you'd see transformation. Some of you they would ask questions about God and about those things, but 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 back in the day, is it I was moving into our youth ministry at the same time. And so I would have a key to our our youth shed. And in our youth shed, we would have cricket nets. In our youth shed, you know, there's a skate park next door. I'd have the keys to to the tennis courts as well because at our other location, you know, there's a school attached. So there's some privileges that you get if you can get a key. And so they would always ask you the hot. I'm like, well, how about we just go... To, and they're like, yeah, okay, let, let's go to church. Okay. It, it's not Sunday. Okay, yeah, we'll go. i got a key. So we'd go and we'd play, you know, sport and, and whatnot. And I always have a heart for them. I, you know, some of the, they're rough. Their parents don't want them. You know, it's just hard. And, and so they, a lot of them don't even know how to use a cricket bat. They don't even know how to bowl. They don't even know how to play tennis and so it's like taking them to this place and trying to teach them how to do these things and I remember one young kid and I'll never forget him because it was like it was just one of those moments that you could never orchestrate you you could never ever repeat it again in your whole life so it, it, we went to the cricket nets, we're playing cricket and, and, and I'm not that good at sport, I can play sport sort of but beware. And I, I remember this kid, and you know he's giving me a bit of cheek, he's like, you know what teenagers are like, come on. And, and so like, I'm just playing cricket, and I just hit it. And as he, he bowled it, as I hit it, it came and hit him in the place no man should be hit. I was like, whoa, I'm good. I was like, oh no. There goes my blue card. There goes my, my uh, what incident report do I put on this one? And I'm like, oh. And he's like, oh. I'm like, are you all right, mate? My compassionate side came out. I just gave him two pats. Are you all right? <laughs> um, do we need to go? S- he's like, no. I'm good. I'm good. Well, OK. Well, yeah, OK, cricket's not our thing. How about we play soccer? So you've got to remember there's five of them. And there's just this one kid. I don't know what was... I don't know... But anyway, this moment we're playing soccer and he's coming up and I'm goalkeeper, I'm there. I, and I don't know, he kicks the ball and I just go, bang! And he goes... Uh. I'm like, this is... I'm right, like, you've got to be joking. He's on the ground, you know, the first time he's just been, open, this next time he's on the and I'm like, this time I got really compassionate, I knelt down and said, three pats, are you all right?
1: He's like, yeah, I'm all right, I never have kids.
0: Anyway, so anyway, at the end of the day, I was like, well, this isn't going to work and they're like, well, you know, what else can we do? Can we go and play tennis? I'm like, okay, we'll go play tennis. So, so we go down there, and you know, tennis courts, they're all locked up, the fence is high. Oh my like, guys, just wait here, you know. Don't climb the fence, don't do anything. i have just gotta go and get the key. And as I'm walking, he's climbing the fence. And I look down, and the next minute his he eyes straight beside, bang on the ground. I'm like, I just cracked up laughing. <laughs> my compassion had totally gone, and I am laughing my head off. I am laughing. And all these four other kids are like. Why are you laughing? You shouldn't be laughing. You should be caring for him. Where's your compassion? Who are you? You call yourself, what? You think you're going to be a pastor? Like I'm like, you're a Christian? I'm like, you know what? At the end of the day, I'm going to laugh. <laughs> you know, sometimes there's times for, to have compassion, and then there's other times to laugh. There's other times to enjoy yourself. Um, I, I know that there's a lot of guys that probably enjoyed themselves after the fight this week with Mundine and Green. They were like, yay! Well, it's a bit quiet in here. <laughs> but there's times that you have compassion, there's times that you love, there's t- but, but compassion is one of those things that as a Christian, I believe we should all have. We should all have. Um, as I was coming back from Melbourne the other day, I, And if you know Melbourne Airport, I I was stepping into Melbourne Airport and I found the perfect park in T4. You know why T4 in Melbourne is the perfect park to catch a plane? Because it's Tiger Air drop-off. No one goes there. (laughs) So so I said to my parents, you know what? Don't drop me where everyone else drops because the walk is still a mile. T4 is just that little bit closer, still a long walk but you're guaranteed a park. Got out, got it. And, and as I was walking, I, I was walking from the car park, and I, I just came down the escalator, and I stepped to the road, and I noticed, it caught me out of the corner of my eye, a young kid. I was like, okay. And I don't know, being a parent, you know kids, don't you? I, I, I pulled out, and I'm like, well, around, And this kid was two and a half, he was, he was running around, he was playing, he was happy as anything, but you know when something just isn't right, don't you? Uh, I'm like, he's running, and then all of a sudden he's running past me to the car park. I'm like, well, where are these parents? I'm looking around, and there's guys on phones, there's other families around, I'm like, you know what, he doesn't fit that family, he doesn't... Maybe this kid's lost so all of a sudden i'm like on a deadline i've got to catch a plane but at the same time we've got a situation here that no one is actually taking responsibility for uh, i find sometimes with compassion you take responsibility for those things that you see no matter what is going on around you and, and so this young one is like I-, I don't know they must just feed him chop because he was bouncing off the walls so i couldn't even get him to look at me in the eyes i'm like Where are your parents? (laughs) So in the end, I I was like, well, I I don't know what to do. I sort of, you know, it's pretty hard when you've got a two-year-old and you're trying to take him somewhere and he's not yours and you don't know the parents. Who knows that's awkward? So I'm like, well, I can't leave him here. I don't know what's going to happen. So somehow I coached him up, and I'm like, hey, mate, let's just run up this way, where all the people are, let's, let's just run up. And and, and I, I reckon it was probably from here um, over to Contarth High that I had to try and get him to move and, and come to so we can come to the doors. And, and so I, I come to the doors, and, and there are people around, and I'm like, no, he doesn't fit that family, he doesn't fit that family. And Melbourne Airport's packed. And I'm trying to work out, what, where does this kid... It's like, do I leave him? No, I can't leave him. Do I miss my plan? Well, yeah. what do you do? There are some things that you have to make. Compassion makes you choose. And, and so I look at it and I'm like, well, no one else is going to take responsibility. Then I have to take responsibility. I, I saw a guy in his uniform, you know, the high-vis vest, and they just stand there, and, and I, I don't know what he was on or whether it smoke go or whether it was working, but but I, I went up to him and I said, hey, listen, mate, I've got this kid here. I, I think he's lost. Um, can you help me? He's like, just find a security guard.
1: I'm like,
0: I've come to you because you're employed. You've got a radio. Can you help I'm like, what is this world coming to? I get the young one and I move up and then I go into where the baggage is for, I think it was Qantas. And as I walk in, the whole thing is packed. But I scanned again, who owns this young one? Who, who is this kid? This one right now that I've taken responsibility for that I don't even know who he is. I don't even know what family he comes for. And I look across and I'm like, you know what? I'm actually going to miss my plane if something doesn't happen right now. I look across, and you just know the look of a stressed father. That look of desperation, that look of, in a moment, he comes running. I don't know how long they'd lost him for, but to me, looking in that father's eye, they'd lost him for a while. It it was like, hey, and they've got other kids. But there's something about compassion that you take responsibility for those that you see. There's a responsibility that you take, and, and, and I look at that moment and I, I wonder, and the engagement with that guy that actually worked for the airport, where are people's priorities now? What happens if it was his son? I believe sometimes it's the same with sharing Jesus, sharing the gospel, is that sometimes, you know what, as family members we try to share it to those that we love, but it's, it's when they get an outside influence, it's when someone else shares the compassion and the love of Christ that they receive. And so I believe in the gospel, in, in how we share our faith, compassion is one of the most important things. Several times in the gospel, you know, we find reports that Jesus was moved with compassion. Is that he sees a situation and he is moved. Gospel writers also wrote about Jesus weeping over Lazarus' death. You know, also he wept over Jerusalem. Jesus was moved in his spirit by a weeping woman. Out of compassion... He wanted hungry people fed. He cared about the lost, saying to repentant ones, your sins have been forgiven. When Jesus encountered the hurt, He acted in a compassionate way. And as Christians, when we encounter those that are hurting, we encounter those that are around us, do we act in compassionate ways? Clearly, compassion is a basic quality of Jesus' earthly life. He saw the hungry, he fed them. He saw the ill, he healed them. He saw the ignorant, he taught them. He saw the dead, he raised them. He saw the weak, he strengthened them. He saw the lonely, he went to dinner with them. He saw the guilty, he forgave them. Jesus was always moved with compassion. Church, are you moved with compassion for this world? Are you moved with compassion for those that are around you? Do you have the eyes of the Spirit to see as Jesus saw? One of my favourite scriptures in Matthew 14, 13 to 14. Have we got that? Is it when Jesus fed the 5,000? Is it when Jesus heard of it? And this is a moment in Jesus' life where it wasn't comfortable for him. Is it before the feeding of the 5,000, before he was moved with compassion, he'd actually just heard that his cousin, John the Baptist, had been beheaded. Don't you think Jesus is having a bad day? Like some of us, we think we have bad days. I think that was a bad day for him. That was a really bad day. And for some of us, we get upset at minor things. You know, the kid spills milk. We're having a bad day. No, that's not a bad day. That's just an accident. And and so here we have it, is that when Jesus heard of it, he departed from there by boat to be at a deserted place by himself. But when the multitudes heard it, they followed him on foot from the cities. And when Jesus went out, he saw a great multitude, and he was moved with compassion for them and healed their sick have one of those days where you just haven't got time. It's just one of those days, it's like, I should have just stayed in bed this morning. It's like, why did I even get up and come to work? You know, that that day where you, you shut the door, you've locked your car keys in the house. That day where, you know, you've come to a place where you run out of fuel on the motorway. That day where you, you know, and it's like, I just shouldn't Jesus, in that moment, he's like, I just need to get away. I just need to collect my thoughts. Right now, I just want it to be about me. The circumstances are shouting at me. Right now, I just want to draw away, regather myself. But in turn, it wasn't going to happen. I I had a choice. Do I leave this two-and-a-half-year-old Running around, or do I find his parents? It's inconvenient for me. Like, this could cost me. And, and let's face it Jetstar don't wait for anyone, Jetstar don't refund anything. You're lucky to get your luggage at the end with Jetstar. Like, you know, these things, it's like, and, and so there's a choice. Jesus, it was like this moment, it's like, you know, I, I want this time. I want to mourn for my friend. I want to have a time where... But as he he saw the need, and he was moved with compassion. When was the last time you were moved with compassion about a situation? When was the last time you acted out of compassion? You know, we can't do everything, but what's that thing that grasps your heart that you can be part of? Like, yes, we have a sheer rescue. Yes, we have red frogs, but it's not for everyone. What grasps your heart to be part of? What grasps your heart? He was moved with compassion. Moments when we just want to get away, there's one thing that I've realized is this. Compassion is the essential element of being a Christian. Compassion. It's an essential element. Compassion shows God's love for humanity. It shows God's love. It's inconvenient, it, it shouldn't really bother me, but I, I'm, gonna, I'm gonna do something anyway. Well, it's, it's not my responsibility. Well, no, compassion says it, it is. Its presence in our mind and heart anchors us in the truth that life is bigger than ourselves and that the highest expression of Christ's likeness is to love as he loved, do as he did, and give as he gave for others. Compassion. When Jesus was once asked, they came up to him and they asked this question in Matthew twenty-two thirty-six. 36. It says, Teacher, which is the greatest commandment in the law? And Jesus said to him, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. And the second is like it. You shall love your neighbour as yourself. If we all lived like that, wouldn't the world be a better place? If we showed that glimpse, if just for an instant a church lived like that. What could take place? A church filled with the Spirit of God, the compassion that He has for all humanity, what would take place? Love is the greatest. Paul writes to a squabbling church in Corinth. In 1 Corinthians 13, he says, and though I have the gift of prophecy and the understanding of mysteries and all the knowledge... And though I have all faith, so that I, would, that I could remove mountains, but have love, I am nothing. And though I bestowed all my goods to feed the poor, and though I give my body to be burnt, but have not love, it profits me nothing. Love suffers long and is kind. Love does not envy. Love does not parade itself. Love is not puffed up. I read that and I think, well, it's actually just not about giving. It's about caring. Wow. Some people are like, well, you know I'll give when I've got enough. I'll give when I'm overflowing in, in prosperity. Or I'll give when I've got a certain amount. No, no, you won't. It's not about how much you give. It's about whether you give. Sometimes it's just about giving the word of encouragement is all that it takes. You know, I believe this, is that we're not about just giving handouts. It's actually about hand-ups. It it, it means about reaching down and and building relationship and and drawing people up to where you're at. It's about connecting. It's about love. It's about caring. It's about compassion enough to include people in your life. I believe this, is that compassion is an expression of His love. I believe that. The compassion for humanity is just an expression of his love. Is that if we are to love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and then the other one is to love your neighbour as yourself, then compassion should be our, be our expression. I love one of the, this quote that I found during the week. It says, Man may dismiss... Compassion from his heart, but God never will. I was like, how true is that? Far from a liability, our compassion is one of the most powerful and yet underestimated traits we possess. Compassion shows God's love for humanity. Compassion shows God's love for humanity. The second thing I find is this, is that compassion moves you to action. I've titled this Move. Because compassion moves you to action. Compassion causes individuals to take responsibility. Whatever its inspiration, compassion compels us to act, to do good and to make a difference. To do good and to make a difference. We are called to do good. We are called to make a difference. We, it's not, sometimes we think that you know, to make a difference, it has to be this grand thing where everyone's like, you know, looking at you. No, the true difference is made behind closed doors. A a true difference is made behind closed doors. Let let me say that, because sometimes we're like, you know, if only I could have this, if only I could be that, if only, then everyone would know true compassion is behind closed doors. You know, I, I love hearing of reports of things that take place in this church. There is a young family that have donated rugs and things to our kids' programme, I didn't even know about it until last week. I'm like, Oh went oh yeah, they've donated a whole heap of things. I'm like, Wow, what over the year? I'm like, wow. You know, I, I find this is that sometimes when we give, we don't actually have to announce it. Because we, we want to cover those in love. Because sometimes we say, Hey, look at us but then at the same time, you're highlighting the person you're giving to. So sometimes it's better to let them have their dignity and do it behind closed doors. And as a church, we'll always tell you where things are going, but we'll never name names for that reason. James 1.27 says this, Pure and undefied religion before God and the Father is this, to visit orphans and widows in their trouble, and to keep oneself unspotted from the world. Unspotted. Unspotted. I, I, I think it's not okay sometimes when I hear things that are in this community right now. I was at a meeting this week with a, a group of, of pastors and ministers on the peninsula, and I'm sitting in there, and there's a couple of chaplains as well, and, and we're just talking about the needs and, and, and what is going on around the peninsula area. And we talked about, you know, the Christmas hampers that we did, and, and they were thanking, you know, for the, for the food that came in for that. But then there was one thing where one of them was talking about a certain situation that's in our community, and I sat back and I thought, you know, this is not okay. They spoke about a family that is just living in a tent. And, and I'm like, since in what day should a family actually live in a tent in Australia? Like, what day should a family with kids that go to school live in a tent? I'm like, wow, I've come across situations where, you know, as a church, we've come across past situations where it's been tragic loss in a family's life and, you know, the power's been cut off houses, the water's been cut off houses, you know, uh, there's, and we've gone and we've restored all those for those people. But I'm like, wow, this is like, the next, even when I was working for family services, some of the situations I walked into, uh, my heart would be moved. One place I, I walked into, the guy didn't even have a back wall. I'm like, I just walked in a front door, and there's just this tarp. But are we moved to just do our bit? We, we mightn't be able to do everything, but what can we do? What can we do? How, how can we be an answer, students that go to school that don't have enough food, or even those ones around our community that are, are like that? Is it as compassion wells in our heart, we say it's not okay, but as we go and minister to those, as we go and provide, what we need to provide is more than just natural, but spiritual as well. Is that I love Jesus; in every scenario, He provided the spiritual and the natural. Yeah, It says that Jesus was moved with compassion at that moment. He was moved with compassion. He saw the multitudes. He sat down. He he nourished them. He gave them the word. He, He spoke to them. But then what took place is the disciples came to him and said, hey, listen, it's getting late. This is a deserted place. We need to send them away so that they can get food. And he was like, well, you feed them. He was testing them. You feed them. I fed them spiritually. You feed them. But in that moment, he's fed them naturally as well. We hear the young boy brings his loaves and fishes. God blesses it. There's 12 baskets left over. Is it when compassion moves your heart? When God moves your heart with compassion, there's always resource to fill it. There is always resource to fill it. It's just asking the right questions. It's just coming to God with the right things. The boy comes with the right things. He blesses it. Something supernatural takes place. I love T.D. Jakes' statement. and I, I say this one a fair bit. It says, True religion, good religion, has the responsibility to do more than sit idly by and watch people be abused and only offer the sinner's prayer. The true salvation of a society has more to do with the economics Eth, um, ethics, education and a strong sense of God's creative plan for all human beings. Right there, that's true transformation. True transformation. I, I believe it's not okay. And most of us, and I love what Carolina said in the giving message is that you know most of us think it's the government's responsibility. Let me tell you this, is that governments will come and go but the church will always be here church will always be here. And the church is the ones that need to arise. And, and I've sat on boards, I've sat on react, I've sat on government boards, and I've realised this, is that the amount of time it takes to get policy through, I could just go down the street, pull out $2 and fix the situation myself. But this is where the church needs to be the church. We need to arise. I, I believe the answer lies within the walls of this building you and I. You and I, full of the Spirit of God. As the body of Christ, we are to be moved with compassion. (laughs) This week, or last week, we announced our Bulgaria appeal. Bulgaria with love. And we've got churches over there that are, are doing a lot with orphanages over there and a lot of the lower, you know, really it's extreme poverty compared to what we've got here. And as we went over there, and as I I came in this week, I saw all this stuff just mounted up under the city point sign here in the auditorium. And and I I went there and I'm like, wow. It was actually filled the back of my car. And so I I took it down there and I'm like, this is awesome. Like, just one thing. And and I want to encourage you, if you haven't, bring something in. Don't bring in anything holy. Bring in something that you'd want to receive. And and I, I went down there and Rob came with me and I I went down to see the container and and you drop it off at the container. And as we looked in, it it was like two-thirds full already. And that was Wednesday, a shipping container ready to go. And I was like, well, that's the church that has Compassion. We may never know their name. We may never meet them face to face like Carolina said. You know, you won't go and braid their hair. You know, thank you, church. Hmm. I even look at what we have in this great country. I look at some of the things that take place and, and I can't help but Realize this is most of the things that we have in this great nation has been started with compassion. Is that compassion causes or gives us the response or causes us to take responsibility? Do you realize the reason we have hospitals in Australia is because of Christians? It's because of the church. They started the first. Do you realize why we have education in Australia? because they started the first, is you've got to realise is that sometimes we can put it on the back burner, but I'll tell you, Christians change the world. The church, you and I, are the ones that change the world. Is that when we're given a God, when God stirs our heart, when we're given a God-given dream, it causes us to act, it causes us to move. When, when we see a need and we're filled with compassion, it causes us to go beyond ourselves. It, it's like the first school in Australia was started by a chaplain. It was started by a chaplain in 1789. And then a few years later, they start three more. Is that there was a need, there was, there was a thing... And it was like, no, I'm going to do something about it. What what are those things you're going to do? What's that thing God is stirring in your heart that you need to move on today? What are those things that you need to take responsibility for? What are those things that you've seen and God has shown you, but you've actually just put aside because you're like, no, that's someone else's job? How many times do we do that? Oh, no, that's the mission pastor's job. No, that's the chaplain's job. No, no, it's our job as a church to rise with compassion, be moved for the lost, and fill the gaps of this hurting world. How else is revival going to come? How else is the Spirit of God going to be released? How else? Compassion causes individuals to take responsibility. Jesus saw the multitude and was moved with compassion. He was moved emotionally and he was moved physically. His passion for people moved him to action. As a church, and this is one of the bits I stole from our heartbeat document, if you want to go and check, as a church, his heart of compassion beats within us and we will be true to its whispers. Are you true to his whispers? We will be true to his whispers. We will obey. We will respond without delay for nothing less is appropriate. Nothing less is appropriate for us to be moved. We are called to make a difference. Compassion for the weak is a sign of greatness. Compassion for the weak is a sign of greatness. How do you know if you're part of a great movement, denomination. How do you know? Is that they have a passion for the lost? Is that they have a passion for those that are hurting? They have a passion for those that don't know Christ. And and I, I want to challenge you today, church. See as God sees. Act as God would act. I just want to bow your heads, close your eyes. I, I don't know everyone in this building right now. and I've just spoken a little bit about Jesus and, and I've just spoken about one of his characteristics, which is compassion, compassion for the lost, compassion for the hurting, compassion for those that are in trouble. And I, I don't know everyone in this room right now, but I want to give you an invitation to know Jesus is that he came to earth because he saw humanity was lost. He saw humanity was out of relationship with its maker, God. And as he looked upon it, he looked upon it with compassion and said, God, you know what, I must do something. I must do something. And God's like, yeah, I, I know. And so Jesus came, he hung on a cross. And the reason he gave his life, was out of compassion, was out of purpose to connect us back to the Creator, God Himself. And all we have to do is believe upon Him. All we have to do is acknowledge that He died. And as we acknowledge He died, He sends His Spirit as a guarantee to us, which becomes the start of a journey where we can walk with God. And I will tell you, from that moment on where you encounter God, transformation takes place. Those things that separate you from God, which is called sin, is dealt with. Is no longer there. Because He died and you acknowledged Him as Lord. And you said, Jesus, you are my Lord. Those things that keep me from you, right now I repent of them. Send your spirit as a guarantee. And this morning, I would love to pray with you right now. If something is stirring in your heart. is if you want to have an intimate relationship with God. If you don't. If you want to. I'd love just to pray with you. And so while the heads are bowed, eyes are closed, if you feel like that, I'd love for you just to raise your hand in this place so I can pray with you as I look across. Father God, I thank you for the hearts of every individual in this place. Lord God, those that have acknowledged you as Lord and Saviour, Father, as we sit here today, we thank you for what you've done. We thank you for the compassion that you had, that your son would come and die on a cross for us. And today, Father God, I pray that you give us the ability to see as you see. You give us the ability to to move as you move, Lord God, so that we can shine your light to all humanity, so that those will know your love. They'll know who you are, Father. Today, Father, I pray, pour out your spirit over each and every one of us, Pour out your spirit over ones that have acknowledged you today, Father. For God, as a church, let us arise and stand and declare your goodness. In Jesus' mighty name, amen, amen. Come on, let's give God a hand. Well, it's going to be a great day. How about we stand up, praise God as we go, and see you all later. Thanks.
1: Say, wanna get those hands clapping. That's broken free spirit alive, as freely moving joy, a speaking has won my heart. Hope has broken free spirit alive. Has freely moved in joy. A speaker has won my heart. Now I'm running wild. I can feel it.